Well, good morning, church. Hallelujah. Well, as you've heard this morning, you know, we're having, they're doing some upgrade on some, some, something. We've got no power, but as you've heard this morning, there is never power outage when it comes to the power of God. He's always there, amen? He's always available to us. And, uh, and this morning, we're going to be talking about the power of God and how to keep that power of God going. Because you see, the power of God is always there, but you and I don't always connect to the power of God. Sometimes we allow some of our own trip switches to trip. Not the main power, our own trip switches. And we're going to talk about that this morning because we want to remain powered up. Amen. Well, as you've, known, as you've heard already, as you know, after two years and three months of COVID regulations, remember when they said, we're going to do this for, for, for two weeks or 21 days or something like that. And then it got extended, extended. Anyway, two years and three months later, the COVID regulations are have been released, but uh, do remember that COVID is not over. That thing is still around, and so we need to use common sense. And you're welcome to come to church without a mask, if the mask bugs you. I think it's still wise these days, especially during the winter months, not just because of COVID, but because of all other hojas going around to just, uh, you know, remain using your mask indoors, but it's really up to you. And of course, we've got no more limitations, and so everybody can come. Come on, you guys are telling me, you know, I know it's getting cold, but come on, get out of those, those pajamas and let's join us here, and uh, let's have a wonderful time of worship together. As you know, it's one thing worshiping at home, it's something else being here and sensing, you know, it's, it's a different thing when you do it together. So I encourage everyone. Of course, I want to thank all of you and all of you guys out there for your patience during this time. We've had to make a, make a number of arrangements, so I want to thank you for, for doing that. The, the ushers, you know, the work they did and all the checking things and so forth. Everybody had to make some adjustments. So church, I thank you for your patience during this time. Slowly but surely, we're getting back to normal again, back to putting things in place. And so I'm sure that uh, it will be wonderful to start getting things on the go again on a more or less normal uh, routine again. Amen. And of course, those of you that joined us online during the spirit, never fear, we're not going to cut out the online service. We're going to continue online. And so we, we welcome all of you, you know, people in South Africa, outside South Africa, Western Cape and UK and Scotland and many other places. We welcome you or continue serving you, your part of our family. And we treasure that. Amen. Praise God. And let's get the word out. You know, I mean, you may have friends uh, which are out of Pretoria, maybe another nation. Send them the little message. They might want to, to join us and enjoy our service. So let's get the word out there. Amen. Well, two Sundays ago, I spoke to you about being fired up. Remember, last Sunday we had Father's Day, but the Sunday before, we spoke about being fired up. God wants us to be fired up. You know, it's Pentecost month. It's the last Sunday of, of June. This month has been Pentecost month. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about fire again. And uh, we spoke about how God wants us to burn for Him. And today, in, kind, in part two of that message, I want to talk about keeping that fire burning in this this message called Fan the Flames. Fan the flames. Look at those beautiful coals and those flames over there. As you, you know, those of you who now and then make a bright fire, as you know, it's one thing to get the fire going. It's another to keep that fire going. <laughs> right? 
you know, while the, the, the lighter is there and it's, it's fine. But then that little lighter kind of wears off and the wood hasn't quite taken on yet and, and the coals. And you've got to do something. What do you do? You fan the flames. I've got a little machine which I pump like that and it flans. Sometimes if I'm near a plug, I can get the hair dry and and I fan the flames of that. Otherwise, a good old piece of cardboard. And you fan those flames because you want that fire nice and hot. Well, in that first message, we learned that to start a fire, we need three things. We need wind, a flame, and something to burn. We learned that in the context of fire believers, the wind is the Holy Spirit. We learned that the, the word spirit in Greek is the same word as wind. <laughs> so, Holy Spirit, Holy Wind, Holy Breath, you know, and so the spirit is the wind that we need. The flame is the Word of God. We read a number of passages that the Word of God is like a flame. And so the Word of God in us is the flame that we need to light up the fire. And something to burn, that's you and me. We are the stuff that gets burned up between the, the flame uh, of the Word and the, and the wind of the Holy Spirit. It ignites us and we get fired up for Jesus, fired up for God. But like I said... It's one thing to ignite a fire, it's another to keep it going. And you know that to, to get those coals ready, you need to fan that flame. There are days that there's just not enough wind for you to get that fire going. There may, may be other factors that could kill the fire, so what do we do? We fan when we take care of those flames. The same, it's the same thing. When you take the care of the flame of our lives, the flame of God in us. We have to be careful to stay away from things that can kill the fire inside of us. And there are lots of things that once you get that fire going for the Lord, there are a lot of things in this world around us, in your daily lives, that want to kill that fire. You know very well that Satan is not going to come there and, and blow your fire. No, he wants to smother it. He wants to throw sand on it. He wants to spoil that thing. And the world system is programmed to kill the fire of God. And so we need to connect with him and we need to be aware of the things that can kill that fire. And we need to be fanning those flames that God has, in, has, has placed in us. And this is the instruction that the Bible gives us. Let's read in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 5 to 7. Paul, writing to Timothy, says in verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Louis, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. We're reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, if you want to take notes. For this reason, I remind you, listen to this, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. Paul reminds Timothy, encourages Timothy to fan into flame. Who does he say must fan into flame? Timothy. What does this mean? That each one of us, we have to fan our own flames. Hello? We can encourage one another. We can say, hey, 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 that, that flame is diamond. Take care of it. <laughs> but I cannot really 
fan your flame. I can encourage you. I can exhort you. I can call your attention. Hey, <laughs> you can exhort me. You can encourage me. You can say, hey, Valdir, check that thing is diamond. But only I can fan my flame and only you can what? Fan your flame. Amen. So he says, fan into flame the gift of God, that flame of God, which is in you through the lay of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Hello? All right? Self-discipline. I know we don't like that word very much, <laughs> but it's something we all need if you're going to make a success out of our lives, especially out of our spiritual lives. So as Paul writes to Timothy, Paul is encouraging Timothy to keep fanning the flames that God has started inside of him. And every one of us, when we make that commitment to follow Jesus, a flame starts inside of us. And we need to fan that flame. Paul is aware that there may be some things creeping into Timothy's life. Things that would threaten to smother the fire burning in Timothy. And when God starts a fire inside us, we get fired up. We don't want to quit burning for him. And I hope you've had that experience of just sensing the power of God and sensing the love of God and you worship and this is so good and, and the Spirit of God is moving. I love this. And then you don't want to let it go. And that should be our decision, our attitude. I don't want to let this fire go. I want to stay fired up. Hallelujah. Hey. When that fire starts, we think, man, this is awesome. This is nice. There's no way I'll ever be the same again. I'm never going back to the way I was. I'm going to stay right here, close to Jesus. Hallelujah. And I have said that. And I've heard many believers saying that. Many young people, many older people, when they experience the power of God, when they give their lives to Jesus, when they become aware of God's love, when they surrender their lives to Him, when they experience forgiveness of sins, it's a wonderful feeling. I'm never going to leave this place. But saying that in that moment is one thing. But keeping that flame alive is another because unfortunately, many believers, we have these wonderful experiences who say these things with time. They allow the distractions of life to kill that flame. They may not lose their faith in Jesus, but that flame kind of goes out. They're not those vibrant believers anymore. They're not worshiping God anymore. They're not shouting hallelujah. They're not aware of what, what God is doing, what God is doing in the world. They're not aware of the temptations and, and traps of Satan. And so if you're not careful, things can slip into our lives and put out that fire, guys. And so this message links up to that other message to make sure that we keep and stay fired up. Hallelujah. In these days we're living in, more than ever, we need to fan the flames inside of us. We need to remain fired up. 
The word of God is very clear that the last days would be treacherous days, would be difficult days, and the love of many would grow cold. I do not want to be one of those many, do you? Come on. We want to remain fire, fired up, red hot, burning for Jesus during this time until Jesus comes. Amen? So, let us look at some things that can smother and quench that fire in our lives. If we are aware of these things, then we can watch out for them and avoid them. So, I'm going to tell you about three things. I'm going to show you three things this morning that can put your fire out. Okay, here we go. Number one is fear. Fear can put that fire out. Fear of the unknown. All right? Uh, by the way, the, in, in that verse uh, 7 of Second Timothy, where, he, where it said that uh, the Spirit of God does not uh, make us timid, another translation says, the Spirit of God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see, fear is not of God. Okay, that uh, fear of failure and, 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 and these, these fears that paralyzes us. And so, uh, sometimes the possibilities that God puts before us, when you start following God, you've got that fire inside of you, and you realize, wow, you know, I'm following God. But that in itself can cause fear. The possibilities of following God, my goodness, it can scare us. Am I supposed to be now this saint? Am I supposed now to never sin again? Am I supposed to be this wonderful person that you know, people look up to? And it can be scary when you start following God and you don't quite understand how things work. When you don't quite understand that the Holy Spirit is going to be helping you and walking with you. When you think that maybe I've got to do it on my own. I have to behave myself. Yes, of course you do. But you don't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit helps you. You've got to walk with Him. You have, you have to acknowledge Him. Remember we spoke last time that very often we ignore the person of the Holy Spirit. He is real. He is with you. He is in you. But of the three persons of the Trinity, He is the most ignored one. Because He's not pushy. <laughs> Alright? When you look up to the heavens and you can see the, the creation of God, it's wow, it's overwhelming. But the Holy Spirit is just there. He doesn't push you. He'll talk to you. He'll whisper to you. He'll convince you. But he doesn't push you. It's very easy to ignore him. Huh? But so fear can, can, can stop us. Fear of the unknown. When God is in control, we usually don't know what's coming next. And that not knowing may cause us to look back into familiar territory. We like to know what's happening. We like to know where, where, where we're going. We like to know what the next step is. But sometimes, when you follow God, God says, go that, that way. <laughs> and you don't have a clear direction. You must just keep going day by day and trusting God. Sometimes there is a fear of failure. Fear of failure can quench that, that flame. We get afraid that we can't do what God calls us to do. Even before we step out and say, no, I'm never going to be that kind of person. I cannot be that kind of person that God wants me to be. I've never been that kind of person. I'm not going to be that kind of person now. <laughs> we allow our past failures to blur our future. We say, look what my life looked like until now. How on earth am I going to be this wonderful Christian? And so that fear of failure, we get concerned about what other people would think 
if we fall and fail again. So I'm not going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I know myself, I know me, I'm going to stay right here. This is my comfort zone. I'm not going to go further. So fear of failure can quench that fire in you and stop something which God wanted to do in you and through you. You are being robbed of a blessing personally. You are being robbed of personal joy and fulfillment. And others are being robbed of being blessed by your life when that fear of failure holds you back. So come on, let's be aware of that. And as I'm saying these things, please examine your life. Be thinking. Have a little checklist going. Have I experienced that? And by the way, I've experienced these things in my life. I've had to fight every single one of these things. Yeah. Don't think I'm a saint. Just talk to my family. They'll explain to you very nicely. I am no saint. I throw my toys out of the box sometimes. I'm imperfect. And whatever I have done in my life and achieved in my life that is worthy of glorifying God has been because I've persisted, I've faced these things, and I've, I've trusted God. Guess what? I'm still doing it. I start to fight some of these things from time to time. Some of them every single day. I've got to fan my own flame badly, man. <laughs> Otherwise, this fire will go out very quickly. Amen? So I'm talking about stuff which we experience. It's not for you. It's for us. If you're a human being and you listen to this message, this message is for you. Okay? Because we all experience these frustrations. There is fear of repercussions. What is going to happen if I keep going with God's plan? So it's, 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 it's 1993. 1994, there's an election coming up in South Africa. And I am pastoring a Portuguese congregation. 80% of the church at the time was Portuguese people. In 1993, Portuguese people are leaving to Portugal and to other nations because they remember the problems, the political problems of Angola and Mozambique. And in 1993, I sense the Lord saying, now it's time to go into full-time ministry. Leave my secure job and go into full-time ministry in a small Portuguese church, which maybe by next year, 94, when the elections come, they're going to be gone. Because in 93, some of my colleagues, Portuguese pastors, had lost half of their churches already. And the Lord is saying, come on, it's time to go. And I'm saying, what about the repercussion of this? So I leave my job, and I go into full-time ministry, and in a year's time? That's one of, one of the things that happened in my life. Fear of repercussions. How's my life going to be affected? I had to face that. My wife and I had to face and pray. But because we understood and we knew this is what God was saying. The fire was there. The fire was burning. There was confirmation. And I had to face this fear and put this fear aside to listen to the voice of God. By God's grace, the church in 94 grew and kept growing. And it's still going here today. Amen. But I had to face this fear. Because I had, you know, I had a growing family at that time. Small, yeah. So, uh, we have to understand these things. Fear of repercussions. Of course, there is fear of rejection. This is a big one. Fear of rejection. There are many believers who are not outspoken about their faith. They don't want to show that they, there's a fire. They, they, they kind of cover up their fire. 
What if people think that I'm a religious fanatic? What if people think I'm a, a, a religious extremist? And, and so they don't want to, 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 to talk too much or to, sh- to fan that flame and, and be outspoken about their faith. They don't want to let their light shine. And so they, and if you keep on doing this, and that flame's going to die, man. Fear of being rejected from friendships or relationships. People find out I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm, a, I'm fired up for Jesus. Will they still like me? Will I still have job opportunities? Will, will that, that romantic, romantic interest of mine still accept me if he or she finds out I'm, I'm, I believe in Jesus and I love worshiping God and I go to church every Sunday? <laughs> Hello? These are realities. That some people have to face. And understand this. Remember I said in the last days, it will be difficult days. Look what's happening around you today. The world is slowly but surely turning against Christianity. Yeah, in South Africa we don't feel it so much. But read the news. Look what's happening in America, for instance. A nation who once was sending out missionaries to the whole world. Turning against biblical principles, moral codes. And when they try to correct something, the whole country turns or many people turn against it. And throughout the Western world, Christian morals are being questioned. And we are being taken as intolerant and as hard and harsh and unloving and hateful. It's a lie of the devil, of course. But that's what the world says. And, and you may get all fired up and you want to, to do something. No, 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 no. People are going to think I'm one of those guys, one of those fanatics, one of those extremists. And, and, and you're going to be rejected. And so you kind of hide your flame. Be careful of fear, guys. Fear can kill that flame very quickly. What else? Contentment and indifference. That's another thing which can... You need, that you need to watch out for, which can quench your fire. Now, these two, they work together because, you see, uh, contentment leads to indifference. I'm, I'm contented, so I don't care. And indifference leads to contentment. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm okay as I am. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. Between me and the man upstairs, we're fine. You ever heard that? When you hear that, put a question mark there because that's a sign of contentment and indifference. <clears throat> Contentment can smother our fire. Now, the the thing is this, that the Bible teaches us to be content with what we have. You see, there is a good kind of contentment and a bad and evil kind of contentment. There is a good kind of contentment that saves us from that insatiable worldly ambition for power and status and wealth and things. You see, there are people that are never content with what they've got. They've got to have more. They've got to be bigger, better, more famous, more this, more that. And they are never satisfied. That is an evil kind of contentment. But there is also a negative and evil kind of contentment spiritually. A contentment with where we are at spiritually. Hey. I'm born again, been baptized in water, 
I've been told the Holy Spirit. I'm a member of a church. I don't commit any major sin. Haven't killed anybody. Haven't, haven't, haven't stolen money, nor rands, nor dollars. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm not like him. Like her. Like that sinner. The sinner. I'm not like that. I'm okay, alright? So I'm just going to park here and, and live my life and behave myself until Jesus comes. Because I'm ready, hallelujah. Sounds, sounds nice, eh? Oh, what a wonderful person. <laughs> but that's contentment, and that's bad. <laughs> you, you know, we, sometimes we just get that point. We're just content to stay where you are. No interest in studying the Bible further. No interest in spending more time in prayer or extended time in prayer or praying for specific stuff. No interest in gathering with other believers for, for fellowship and, and worship and studying the word. You just, you just do the bare minimum just to tick your to-do list. No interest in serving, in volunteering, in giving of your time, your money, or your knowledge. In the Christian life, listen, in the Christian life, if you're not moving forward, you're falling backward. Because God ain't stopped. God's not parked. God is moving, and history is moving somewhere. The whole universe is moving. And if you, if you stopped, you're actually falling behind. Contentment was what we know. I know Jesus, so I'm okay. There's nothing more left to do. Contentment, listen, contentment was who you are. I'm okay. I'm not as bad as the other people. I'm happy right now. You see? Now, if you feel that way, then there is no room for growth. If you're happy with what you are, if you think you're ready to go to heaven, if, the, if you think there's no more, there's nothing more for you to do on this earth, no more growth, no more serving, no more nothing, just hanging there and, and, and survive until Jesus comes, well, there is no room for growth because you think you've made it. So be careful. Contentment is actually bad. It's a lie. It's Satan tripping us up. Amen? <laughs> then there is another thing to watch out for. And this is a tricky one, but I've got to say it. The other thing that can, can, can quench your fire, that can kill your fire. So what? Number one is what? Fear. Number two, contentment. Contentment and indifference. <laughs> number three. Other Christians. You know, some of God's own people, they are like a fire brigade. They just, just go around putting other Christians' fires out. They've got all the equipment. Psh! Oh, you're on fire for the Lord. Come here. Other Christians could be the ones to put your fire out. And don't you dare let me catch you being one of the fire brigade Christians. I'll lay my hands on you without praying. <laughs> that goes for you guys online too. <laughs> huh? So who are these Christians? They are the negative Christians. They can always spot the worst in every person. Doesn't matter what the person has done, how much they've changed, 
Oh, but, but he's still doing this. You know, I saw him the other day and he lost his temper and he said that word. They're always finding something to point a finger at. They can always spot the worst in every situation. No more masks, eh? Now you watch. Now you watch. <laughs> no matter what happens, good news or bad news, they're going to find the worst. Something to criticize. Huh? They oppose to anything and everything, no matter what. Any new thing, any new change, I'm against it. Why? I, I don't know. I know there's something wrong. Give me time, I'll find out why. <laughs> what about scared Christians? Scared Christians. They're always scared. They can give you a hundred reasons why you should never do anything. Are you sure you should do this? Are you sure you should follow the Lord? And what's going to happen to your family? What's going to happen to this? What's going to happen? They're always scared. They're scared of change. They're scared of anything that might actually require faith in God. Now, when we live as Christians, sometimes you make crazy decisions. Like the time we went to buy this property, we didn't have much money in the bank. We never have much money in the bank anyway. We're a church. But at that time, we didn't have much. It was, I don't know. At that time, it was back in 96 about. 96, 97. We bought this place in 97. And about a year before, we, we, we started talking about buying the place. We said, church, we're going we're gonna to trust God to give us, to, we had to raise the deposit and so forth. And so what did we do? We had, I don't know it was five or 10,000 right in the bank. Four, 4,000. Yeah, 4,000, yes. We had 4,000 right in the bank. But that was enough to put the roof on a church in Swaziland of a missionary that we were assisting at that time. And they needed about 4,000 rand to put the roof in the church. So what we do as, as a committee, we pray, we agree on this, we empty our account, and off we go to Swaziland to do a conference over there and, put the, and give them the money to put the roof on the church, and we want to buy this church, which was hundreds of thousands of rands at that time, and we've got no money. And anyone, anyone with half a brain, natural brain, would say, are you crazy? That's 4,000 rand less that you've got for your deposit. <laughs> you see, scared Christians will be scared of anything that might actually require faith in God. Our brilliant Christian thinking was the following. We've got this. We're going to bless somebody because the Bible says if you bless, you will be blessed. Because the Bible says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good pressure, measure, press down, shaken together, running over. Hallelujah. So if you want more money, give money away. <laughs> and we did it. And guess what? We got the money. We needed something like 250000 at that time. And in about three months, we raised that. We've never had so much money in church. But somehow the people came together, and we raised the deposit, and we bought this building. And here we are. So be careful of scared Christians. They will, they will scare you away from any project and anything that takes faith. Amen? 
scared Christians. Then, of course, be aware of the content Christians. Just like you should not be content yourself, don't go hang around content Christians. They're happy where they are, and they're going to try and convince you that you don't need any more. You're fine. You don't need to pray more, go to church more, give more, work more. No, 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 you're fine, man. Just park here next to me, man. We shall wait for Jesus. He's coming soon anyway. Hallelujah. And I remember people that back in the 70s and the 80s were behaving like that. Some of them are still waiting. And they've lost decades of service to God. They've lost decades of personal growth in God. They've lost decades of being blessed by God in special ways. They've lost decades of being a blessing in the life of others because of discontentment. Huh? Come on, church. Let's get that fire going. Hallelujah. So, be aware. Be aware of any fear that might want to kill your flame. Be aware of personal attitudes of contentment or indifference that would quench your flame. And be aware of negative, scared, and indifferent Christians who would act like a fire brigade to put out the fire within you. So quickly, let us now look at some things we can do to fan the flame. That God has started. I'm going to share four things quickly with you. Number one, get into the word of God. Remember, the word is the fire, right? So you need more fire? Get more word. That means you must read, memorize, and live the Bible. Let me explain. Read the Bible. Read or listen to the word of God. Let God speak to you through his word. Let God encourage you and challenge you through his word. Amen? So just read or listen. These days, in our phones, we can, we can just press a button and it, it talks to us. It reads the Bible for us. So there's no more excuse. Okay? So we can read it or listen to it. Of course, every time you come to church, you hear the Word of God. Keep reading and hearing. Number two, memorize the Bible. Now, by memorize, <laughs> I don't mean you're going to memorize from Genesis to Revelation word for word. Some people can do it. Most of us, normal human beings, can't, okay? So by memorize, I mean get the Word of God into your memory so that it can be recalled as and when needed. Now, not all of us are able to memorize text or long passages word for word or even Scripture references. Some people know the Bible says that, you know, Jesus is Lord. Where? I don't know. It's in the Bible. Okay. Not everybody can memorize scripture references. But as you read and you hear the word, try to remember key passages that speak to you, that are important to our faith, to our lives. Try to remember those key passages. And even if you don't memorize word for word, you can remember the content and the context. Amen. You can, you can when, when, when you hear and when you read, you can't remember the Bible. For example, today, you might forget 2 Timothy chapter 1. But you must I read in the New Testament. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. The Bible says we must fan our flames. It's there in the book of Timothy. Somewhere in the book of Timothy. That's okay. Because I can go to Timothy and you can quickly find out what it is. What I'm saying is this. Start memorizing the word of God. Don't get despondent. Some people try to memorize Psalm 119. And once they can't get the first 10 verses in there, it says, I, I can't do this. And then they don't memorize anything. No. 
Go according to your pace. Full revelation. I cannot memorize long passages. Never could. As a school, as a, as a, as a, as a scholar in my studies, as in, in school as a scholar, and later on in college, I, I could never memorize long things. I was good in, 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 in science, and I knew the formulas. You know why? Because I understood the formulas, and I could derive them. I could never remember the whole thing. Some formulas, yes. But the complex ones, I'd sit on the, on the, on the, on the side of the, of the paper there on exams. I would derive the formula and then use the formula. History, I could never remember those dates. Never. I, 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 was, I would sit in class and remember the storyline. Oh, yeah, this happened, da, 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 da. And then you had those questions where they had events and dates. I would go to the events. Oh, this happened first, second, third, fourth, fifth, third, third, third. And then the oldest date must have been the first. And that's how I did it. Because I cannot. Bible, do you think I can remember all the verses and references? I can't. But I know what it says. And because the Holy Spirit is in me, and I discovered this already in high school, and I made a commitment to Jesus, I understood how much Bible I had learned as a child. In church, Sunday school, and at home, readings, you know, home meetings. And that's why parents, get your kids here. Get them to come to children's church. You'll be amazed what gets deposited in those kids' minds. Even though they might be playing there and doing things, they're getting the word in. And so when I committed my life to Christ, I wanted to share with other people. I couldn't remember the passage, but the words would come up. Oh, the Bible says this, and people would argue with me. Oh, but the Bible says this, and says that, and says that, and the other. I remember the content and the context. And if the guy wanted to know exactly what it was, I would go and look up for him. I knew it was in the Old Testament or New Testament, here or there, because I told today I struggle to remember references. When you're talking to me, don't come and say, oh, pastor, I was reading in John chapter, chapter 5 and verse 24, and he just blew me away. I go, really? You, you better tell me what John you know, 4.24 says, because otherwise I'm going to go, praise God, I'm glad you did. Because I haven't memorized the whole Bible yet. Some verses I know. If you say, oh, brother, I read John 3, it blew me away. Oh, amen, brother, that I can understand. Maybe some of you don't. <laughs> That's why I say we need to get some key verses at least, memorize those. You know, like Psalm 23 and maybe Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. But anyway, but the fact is this, don't be upset because you can't remember everything word for word. Just get the content. Get the gist of what the Bible is saying. Get the word in you, the principles. Amen? <laughs> All right. Then, love the Bible. Love the Bible. And this is a key element in fanning our flames. James chapter 1, verse 22 says the following. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everybody says do. Do, do what it says. Okay. Do what it says. Now, in the context of James 1, remember, back in the New Testament days, people didn't come to, to church with their Bibles on their devices. In fact, they had no devices. In fact, they had no Bibles either. So they just came to church. And the person leading would have maybe one of Paul's letters or one of Peter's letters. 
Or maybe they would have memorized portions of the Old Testament because the Old Testament was kept over there in the synagogue. There are a few copies. People didn't carry the Bible you know, to church, the, the scrolls to church. No. They gathered and then they spoke from memory. Isaiah said the following, da-da-da-da-da-da. Remember when Peter preached? He quoted the prophets, he quoted Psalms, he quoted Isaiah. Because those guys, actually in the Jewish culture, they spend time literally memorizing large portions of Scripture. And then they could speak it out. Jesus, he was the Word of God, right? But he also, as a child, had to sit in the synagogue and study and memorize the Word. Imagine the Word memorizing the Word. Jesus knew the Old Testament off by heart, memorized. All the rabbis did. They memorized the law, the prophets, the scriptures, the writings, psalms, and so on. They memorized. You got problems memorizing Psalm 119? Try memorizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all the genealogies. <laughs> Those guys actually did it. So it is possible. Some people do have that capacity of doing it. And, and so when James says, listeners, the guys would gather and they would listen to the word of God. If you was writing to us today, you'd say, guys, listen and read. Don't be readers and listeners of the word, but be doers of the word. Amen? Because it says if you just listen, if you just read, you deceive yourself. So listen to God and then do it. Go against the grain. If the world is going against the word of God, well, you go against the world. You see, and that's when that fear might kick in. Oh, I'm going to be rejected. Hey, God comes first. Let that fire burn. Because that, the word of God, is going to save people, save lives. Amen? Love for Jesus. So, number one, get into the word. Number two, get into prayer. Talk with God in prayer on a regular basis. He wants to hear you. Talk to God about everything. Oh, this God really concerned about this and about my problem? Listen, God is concerned about everything. And by the way, He knows about everything, okay? You've heard me say this before, but you know, at one stage I used to work with microelectronics and I had a problem. I, I designed a circuit and when it was produced and I came to test it, the thing wouldn't work. I spent three days trying to fix that thing and nothing happened. One day before going to bed, I said, Lord, please talk to me. I, I need to fix that thing. You know about electronics, I'm sure. Can you give me a, 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 an insight, a hint, please? And that night I had a dream. I dreamed that I saw a certain part of the, 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 the circuit and that made a mistake and that short-circuited the whole thing. So next morning I couldn't wait to get to work. I get to work, I go to the microscope, and I look for that portion and vracht is there it was. They had made a mistake in the production line. And those things are tiny. And I said, to look for everything. But I found that portion, and there it was. They had made a short, a short circuit. I took a needle, and I broke those wires. I opened the thing up, and pah, the thing jumped to life. I said, thank you, Jesus. Another day, it was late. I was working uh, uh, late, and I wanted to come home. And I couldn't figure out this little circuit. And I'm sitting there by the whiteboard of the little circuit, and I'm trying to work. So I said, God, this thing's not working. Help me. All of a sudden, he gave me an insight into a portion of the circuit, and I could see there's a problem there. If I do this, I discovered God knows about electronics. <laughs> Those of you working as a mechanic, God knows about mechanics. Those of you working in plumbing, God knows about plumbing. If you're teaching, God knows about teaching. I don't care what you do, what job you do, what thing you face in your life. God knows about it. 
You can talk to Him about anything in your life. Turmoils, challenges. Talk to God all the time. Amen? You don't have to close your eyes. You can talk to Him with eyes open. Especially if you're driving. Keep your eyes open. (laughs) Draw close to God in prayer. Hold on to God in prayer. Number three, get into fellowship. Get into church. We are not called to be fired up all by ourselves. Those coals, the closer they are together, the more they burn, the better they burn. And so, for, and so fine, you know, get together. Do not neglect your fellowship together. Commit yourself to something bigger than yourself and burn together with everyone else. So get into fellowship. And of course, number four, finally, get into faith. The word and the prayer will stimulate your faith. Now practice your faith. Live minute by minute depending on God. As you go to work, as, as, you, as you do your life, as you do your shopping, as whatever it is, as God, I depend on you. My life depends on you. Guide me, lead me, protect me. Keep talking to God. Get into faith. Trusting God every single day. Amen? In closing, your walk, your walk with God is not a Sunday morning experience only. It's not an experience. Your walk with God is a moment-by-moment lifestyle. It's okay to have experiences. We need those experiences. But your fire, fired-up life is a lifestyle which you love every single day. And if you look at the life of our Savior, Lord Jesus you will see that he fanned his own flame. The flame that the Father placed in him, Jesus fanned that flame. He was in the Word. He spent time praying. And his whole life was a demonstration of faith. As I said last week on Father's Day, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And just like he lived to please the Father and to do his will, we are. To live, to please the Father, and to do His will. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to start a fire inside of us and guide us into doing Father's will. So, let us be aware and avoid every trick of the enemy to take us out. Let's avoid the distractions of this world which would quench that fire in our hearts. Let us fan those flames by doing the things that cause the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn brightly in us. Let us encourage one another and fan one another's flames so we can burn brightly for Jesus. Let us live lives that reflect the love of God, the character of God, and the power of God. Amen? Amen? Shall we fight up, Christians? Amen. Good. Come, let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. And enjoy this week as you go out. See yourself as a hot burning coal for the Lord. Amen. And watch out for anything that wants to quench that fire. And feed that fire by doing the things that keep it alive. Father, thank you for your word. What an awesome privilege it is to be called by you. To be fired up with your Holy Spirit, with your word. And to be followers of Jesus. To be lights in this world. To be different from others, my God. But to bring your love and your peace wherever we go. To bring truth. To bring reality. To bring life. 
And so, Father, we pray. I pray, Lord, for everyone here, everyone online, everyone listening, everyone watching. Thank you, Lord, that we will continue to fan these flames, to continue burning for you, Lord Jesus, being instruments in your hands. We reject fear, and I pray, Father, that if anybody today is fighting any kind of fear in Jesus' name, Lord, I break the power of that fear in Jesus' name. I pray for boldness. I pray for courage in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Those who are feeling complacent and contented today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they'll come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. To get out of that comfort zone and get fired up for God again. To do something for the Lord. To allow those gifts and talents and motivations to surface again. Hallelujah. And I pray, Father, that you'll give us the wisdom and the discernment to avoid those people, including Christians, Lord that would come to quench our fire, those fire brigade people, Lord God. Give us the boldness and the wisdom to exhort them and help them get back into fire again, get fired up again, my God. And so we thank you for your goodness. Give us a wonderful day and a wonderful week that wherever we go, we might go boldly, full of faith, knowing that we are not alone, not just thinking about our own limitations and weaknesses, but with our mind on you and your unlimited power, Lord, your unlimited goodness, your unlimited love for us and for those around us. Help us, Lord, to really be fired up believers, fired up Christians who continue to fan our flames for your glory and your honor. And so now, may the love of God the Father the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you, each one of us, as we go out and live our lives fired up for the Lord. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day, a blessed week, and we'll see you again next Sunday. Amen.